subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. Hey, Brent. How are you, buddy? I love the fact that it's called a Toddcast. <laughs> I know, right? When I was doing radio in Vancouver, I was the, the afternoon guy at uh, Seafox for about okay. years. And uh, they let me go about seven years back, six years back. But when I was there, there was so Shame many... Shame on them. Pardon me? Shame on them. I know, right? No, actually, it's worked out for the better anyway. I, I love doing the podcast. I, I'm one of, I'm an instructor now at the BCIT radio program and stuff. So it's actually That's worked awesome. out for the better. Uh, I've got little kids and stuff, so I'm able to see them more and stuff. But when I was working there, you know, all, all of the people that were there like, dude, you should start a podcast and call it yeah. the, the Toddcast podcast. I love that. So yeah, no, it's like it's like a, the built-in uh, the built-in uh, you know name. But yeah, this What's is this is great, man. I, I have talked to you before. I've talked to. Uh, When's the last time we spoke? Oh, uh, dude, it's been a while, man. It's been you know like certainly when uh, when I was at C Fox, I think it was probably for either the afternoon show or a show I did called The Rock Report. Does that ring a bell? Are you based in Vancouver? Based in Vancouver, yeah. Awesome. It's interesting, man. The other day, for whatever reason, I did not actually understand where the term podcast came from um obviously i i i'm very very busy so sometimes i don't get a chance to listen to podcasts all the time but i find them very interesting and zach actually told me he said well adam curry who used to be a you know a vj for mtv he's really considered the grandfather or the godfather of podcasting but the where the podcast comes is the iPod because right. like he and I never knew that I was like why is it called a podcast and then uh, that was like because it, it started on an iPod exactly yeah and it was originally just intended as quick little bite-sized pieces of content like a 10 right. you know quick little whatever and now it's just exploded of course right 100% I mean you find more um, interaction obviously when there's video attached to it because you can see expression and you can kind of gauge sometimes when you listen to audio man you can't necessarily um, the, the temperature of the emotional part of that interview can sometimes be lost so you know Joe Rogan obviously is one of those people where you know but there's all of these podcasts now it's very very interesting like the there's some that are done really really well and oh, yeah. some that are kind of uh they're kind of trying to get their footing but i love the free form of it so when you can see the visual aspect I, th I think that it engages people a bit more yeah no i totally agree and that's why when i uh had talked to the the, the people at your label you know originally they had said hey is there a chance for you to you know quickly do a uh, an interview with these guys their albums came out and i was like yeah of course fuck i love you know i, I love shine down and i love the project you're doing smith and myers so i was like yeah, you know, uh, of course of course i will and i was like is there any chance that they would do a zoom because you know i have a youtube page and and whatever but uh yeah it, it just seems that more and more people are uh hey zach uh, how are you good man thank you for uh, joining us um thanks for having me yeah of course uh yeah but it seems more and more people are, are really kind of that's their way not that radio is dying it's not going to ever it's never at that you know i'm not a, a former you know radio employee that's jaded and that's why i'm doing a podcast I, I think that there's room for both but now more than ever people have that chance just like your music you know you don't need to listen to it right away it's you can consume it whenever you want to and that's i think yeah. that's the, the appeal of a podcast is that it's just that you can listen whenever you want to and you're also stuck, like, say if you like a, a radio DJ, you know, I was yeah. on between three and seven for 12 years at C Fox 
but if you didn't listen between three and seven, you never heard me. Right. Yeah. Now you can hear you anytime. Anytime. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a way stronger form of communication, you know? And of course, I, I at think radio it's, station, they, they gave me this built-in audience, much like what you guys have. There's a direct correlation. I was thinking about that as, as I'm kind of getting ready for this, this talk. You guys have a built-in audience with Smith and Myers, of course, through Shinedown, where I had the same thing. I had a built-in audience for the Toddcast by being 15 years at Seafox. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, and I, think, I think that more than anything, if you're coming into the world of Smith and Myers um, thinking that it's basically going to be a carbon copy or an acoustic Shinedown record, um, that's not what you're going to find. Because if we want to do a Shinedown acoustic record, that's what we would have done. Um, right. These are, as Zach puts it, you know, this is really our debut. And this is also, um, we look at ourselves as new artists. Um, two of our biggest fans, though, are Barry Kirch and Eric Bass. When we said we were going to do this, they were all on board with it because they also knew that it wasn't going to be just a copy of Shinedown. This really is a different style. There's a different format to this. Um, and for us, it's about doing something that we felt was important and not only you know, taking these covers and reimagining them and not doing a carbon copy of them. And then also for the very first time, you know, recording and writing 10 original songs for the first time with this project. So obviously people that know Shinedown will kind of gravitate towards this, but we're finding out with this particular project that there's people that don't necessarily know who Shinedown is that are into right. this. And it's kind of, you know, it works both ways. And what did you take from Shinedown and like kind of the, the, the stuff you know that kind of works and transfer it over to, to Smith and Myers? Zach, I mean, just just the songwriting, really. I mean, you know, we've always been writers, so I think when it came to Smith and Myers, you know, you're going to make your first album as a as a new group. You know, as far as you know, we've done covers before, but this is the first time we're writing a record. So, kind of, you know, what a freeing place to be to make your first album. You know, again, you get to make another first album for the first time with Shine Now. We made our first album 20 years ago. You know, so it's like to be able to do that. It's something very freeing, you know, there, there's no, there's no boundaries or parameters to what you can do. So uh, what as far as what we took from China, just, I think our writing, you know, we're obviously two members of a, of a popular rock band and that's, you know, when you want to go do this, you don't want it to sound like your band. I think, you know, if we would have went and if Brent and I would have started another rock band, I think that's the dumbest thing ever. I think when, to me, like you're not getting something from the band that you're like, I think when, when people make, side projects in, in the same genre i don't know it doesn't bother me but i mean i, I would never personally do that like you know I, I get everything i need being in a rock band out of shinedown like i don't need to like go make another rock and roll band like i don't that's not something that i would ever need to do I would, it would actually probably make me unhappy so when it come to this it was you know we get to write as a duo and and with no drums and no bass how would that sound so it, it was very freeing but as far as what we took from it, I just think the experience of writing, you know, six records in the past. And we know that, uh, you know, there's Peter Gabriel, uh, he did the Billie Eilish cover. What were some of the, um, cover songs that you were tossing around the idea of doing that didn't make it to tape? All too well, uh, by Taylor Swift. Oh Yeah. Okay. Uh, River, River by um, Leon Bridges, uh, Life by the Drop by Steve Ray Vaughan. There was a couple that didn't 
that just Life makes the, the cut. Drop. Yeah. Come it's on. It's a profound song, man. Wow. Yeah. I think it is the side of this too. Like going into this, there were absolutely no rules. It's kind of the same thing too with Shine Down. Like when we walk in, we're nine songs in to Shine Down Seven right now. We're in the midst of writing for that record, which will be coming out next year. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we don't make the same Shine Down record over and over again either. Like, and that's on purpose. Like, we evolve. We also try to not write the same song over and over again. We're one of the only bands that I know of um, in modern culture in this day and age where we. Once again, radio, we've been on multiple formats over the years. We're not just on mainstream rock. We're on alternative. We've been on Top 40 before. We've been on AAA, Hot AC. So with this element going in and it being a double album, uh, there were no rules whatsoever. And like Zach was saying a moment ago, too, these songs that are covers of other people, um, really the idea was don't make a carbon copy of it. Like, take it and do something different with it. Obviously you have songs like Unchained Melody where we're kind of sticking to what the, the core of that song is, but it's me and Zach doing it. But you know, we did better now by Post Malone, which is like a rap song. People oh, are nice. like, what is this going to sound it, like? That's you know? great. You know, but we also did, you know, REM's Losing My Religion. We did, you know, Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. Like Oasis. you were saying, Sledgehammer, Billie Eilish with, um, uh, with Bad, Bad Guy. Guy. Also, we took Rebel Yell, man, and turned it on its head by nice. Billy Idol. You know what I mean? So it's no rules, man. None. That's pretty badass. What What are the chances of Zach grabbing a guitar and doing a little something? Right impossible. Second? I wonder if that would translate. It would impossible. You think it would? <laughs> it hard? would be very glitchy. It, yeah. Yeah, because hard. yeah, because like it's the delay to Brent. You know, if we were in the same room, we could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, pick up the guitar and do like background music if you want <laughs> yeah right it's like zach we're done should, talking to you bud can you just grab a guitar i should grab like an upright just like totally random i i started doing a podcast with uh hoogie uh yeah and, and uh brent donnelly and all that we're we're collectively grabbing uh you know people in the industry that have really cool stories to share uh and there's like maybe three or four podcasts gathered as one interviewing. Um, you know, we, we did uh, Fieldy from Corn. Uh, oh, wow. Ago. And that was pretty cool. So it randomly popped in my head. Of course, uh, Hoogie, for people <laughs> that don't know who Hoogie is, he's a guitar tech for, uh, for Shinedown. He is yeah, Eric Bass, which Eric Bass is not just the bass player in Shinedown. Okay. People should know that Hoogie's job is extremely freaking hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because right. Yeah, because he is dealing with multiple acoustic guitars, multiple basses, piano. You know, this is a guy that sings, you know, 65, 70% of the set with me in harmony. So does Zach. Wow. Um, but yeah, man, Hoogie is the the definition of an engineer. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a he's, that dude. It, that dude's not a roadie. He, he's guy, a ninja. That guy's, that guy's a technician. He's a ninja, yeah. I want to go back uh, and kind of get into the early years of you guys. What's sure. the what's the music in the Smith and what's the music in the in the Myers house as a kid growing up? What are your parents playing you? Go ahead, Zach. Um, a lot of uh, kind of soul stuff. You know, I, when I was growing up, a lot of um, you know, Sam and Dave, um, Otis Redding was in my house a lot. Um, Billy Joel, my Same. mom liked Billy Joel a lot. James Taylor, 
um, that kind of stuff. And then I, you know, my dad was the, the kind of rock and roll side. So my dad was the Led Zeppelin. My dad was the, um, Steve Ray Vaughan. My dad was that kind of stuff. So, um, and, but in my mom's car, um, a lot of Otis Redding, a lot of Sam and Dave, a lot of top 40, like, like, oh, you know, eighties top 40, you know? So, you know, Whitney Houston, you know, Don Henley, the Eagles, you know, so it was, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a cool dynamic to have kind of both sides of it, you know, for me. Brent, what did you listen to growing up? Well, a lot of things like with Zach, it's one of the reasons why me and him are connected in a lot of ways. We have the same upbringing, but for whatever reason, I thought about this. I'm going to put Zach on the spot because I think it's actually, it's interesting because of the diversity of him as a guitar player and what have you. It, 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 I think people would be interested to know, like, Zach, tell them how you started playing guitar in the first place. Because it's I interesting. Gu- he laughs. I got a guitar. I got it because it's stupid. I got a guitar. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's actually really, really interesting. I got a guitar for my 12th birthday at the Raleigh Skating Rink. Um, I put it in my closet for a year. I didn't even know that you were supposed to put your left hand on the guitar when I got it. So... I um um around my thirteenth birthday, so about a year later, I was at home. I was watching um I believe it was a Bush video, maybe, and um I it was like a live thing, and I picked up the guitar that was probably in seven different tunings, and um I was watching their hands, and I just kind of started copying their hands, and I think I don't know, I don't remember what song it was. It was either Come Down or Machine Head or something. And yeah, and it probably sounded nothing like that. But it, it, that spot, I was like, "Oh, I can do this." It's the rhythm. Then, you're, you're you're copying the rhythm, and and that was it. And then uh, eleven months later, I, I got my first record deal with MCA Nashville. <laughs> the Coles that was story. But it, the reason I bring it up and for him to tell the story is that you know, I don't think that you pick the music. I think the music picks you, if yeah. that makes sense. So yeah. it doesn't matter if you're a virtuoso and you've been playing since you were born, or you know that's it. It shows the power of music and why it's so important, and 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 really why it saves people's lives because it's it's the one expression that we have that's ever evolving, especially songs. A song can mean something to you um one one year and then a couple years down the line you know you hear it again and it can hit at the right exact time but it means something different to you and the styles change and it's not about you know like rock and roll that's a way of life it's not necessarily a genre of music you know and i think that's why music is so important you know and you have a story like zach's where it's like the music picked him yeah man and 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 i totally agree with you about the the music heals and and uh like music does something to your soul like you can go to a like go to an old folks home somebody that has dementia but yet they can sing a song from when they were 12 years old clear as day can't remember their daughter's name but somehow they can sing the soundtrack of xy movie i think that's a different part of your brain man i think that's a different thing you know and your that that's your heart you know when you hear music you know that's something that's you know, I think that there's, you know, when you hear music, like it'll give you a different emotion than anything else in life. I think there's a different neural receptor in there that kind of 
you know, never goes away once something's embedded in there. You know, it's like why it's the same reason I get the same feeling I got the first time I heard the stairway to heaven solo. I still get, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's those things, you know, I think that that's something that, you know, like we, you know, Brent always says like, you know, music is kind of the key to the world, man. It, it can heal, it can heal people. It can heal people's lives. And, you know, to us, that's very important. I think that just works on a different, I don't know. There's some sort of different neural receptor in there that I think creates where music comes from. And it's, it, I think it's its own corner of the brain. It yeah, also builds off of vibration. I can't yeah. wait for some, I can't wait for some scientist on Twitter to be like, no, it's not. <laughs> At uh, 20 minutes into this interview, he said, um, <laughs> yeah. What was your first concert, Brent? Mine, uh, the Beach Boys. No. Um, at Thompson Bowling Arena, I was six years old. Wow, that had to be a mind blower. I didn't even know what was going on. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I remember, I remember this was like Kokomo. Day, right, you know what I mean? yeah. So, John Stamos, this yeah, yeah, Stamos who, who, who I found out later on on that tour at that time was on that tour was playing bongos and yeah he was playing percussion there. yeah yeah wow. so but um yeah man not a bad first show that's pretty good first Jack, show, what yeah. was yours my first show was leonard skinnard zz top and the damn yankees at mud island amphitheater well wow. you win uh, another uh, pretty impressive show, show my my second show was new kids on the block wow you win again. Yeah, I don't know about that. I actually still have, actually still have the hanging tough new kids on the block <laughs> tour jacket, nineteen eighty nine. And then I saw the Bengals. I saw the Bengals too when I was like six or seven. What about you, Todd? What was your first? Uh, my first concert was uh, Doctor Hook. Really? The cover of the Rolling Stone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was. Uh, like probably like seven or eight years old. It was up in uh, northern BC in a place called Kitimat. Do you remember it vividly? I don't remember it vividly. The things I remember are like, I mean, I remember, I guess, seeing the show, but like the things I remember is like just the excitement because it was a band that my parents always played. I just mm -hmm. remember the excitement of getting in the car and like, you know, the energy of like walking up and all these people are walking to the arena uh, you know, everybody's excited. I remember that, like in the popcorn and just the smells of being in the arena. And yeah, uh, I mean, I guess I do remember the show, but not super vividly. You know, uh, I think I'm surprised it wasn't a Canadian band that you saw first, especially in those days. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I it would yeah, be a Canadian you, would, band. You, you would think it would be something like a trooper or uh trooper, dude. like yeah. Chilliwack or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But, but, Practically uh, hip. Tragically, Tragically hip. Is. There you go. That's Canada's house band. What a what a God tragedy. That's a soul, man. Yeah, what a what man, a, what a great what a great documentary though that is, man. It, amazing, that, that, right? That like, shit is inspiring, man. Yeah, it totally is. I mean when you when you lose somebody like that from your like we lost Gord Downey from our, not culture, but for a lack of better words, when you lose somebody like that, it's like really hard to to digest and, and what's crazy man about that me. is is think about what they here's the thing when people die right everyone feels some sort of loss and this i was thinking about this actually last week because i watched that documentary again unless a president dies here that was like beloved that sense of 
like when he died that like hit the entire country of canada right like it was like oh yeah that doesn't happen in a in a singular country like that was such a you know it's so weird and hard to explain but like it was like the country of canada's loss right like i remember all my I, like for on instagram on facebook like all my friends from canada was like it was like the saddest day in canadian history like it completely insane like that doesn't happen in america like unless like a, a very beloved president dies or something but like when prince died yeah everyone felt it but it didn't feel like a country's loss you know what i mean like it i i, I just remember feeling like like wow this country how cool this is you know it's sad that he died but like the whole country mourned this person, you know, that oh, oh, meant yeah. so much. And then on the anniversary of his death day, you know, throughout Tragically Hip, I mean, it just came up uh, maybe a week and a half, two weeks back. That's um, insane, man. You know, it's so it, it was such a, it was so cool to see the country just kind of like, you know, all kind of like mourn together, man. Like that was, I, th I felt that was very endearing to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously, I don't live in the states, so I don't I mean. What was it like when you know Glenn Fry? Like, here's, I mean, if if you want to talk cultural musical icons, the Eagles, I mean, one of the biggest bands we, ever. And what what was that like when when he passed? We were in L.A. I don't know if we were writing or doing something, but I remember being in L.A. and it felt weird to be in California. But it, what, but but to go back to what we we're saying, it the country didn't mourn it. You know, what I mean, it was like it, I think right. that's kind of like one of those things. Is like that's why the Gord thing was so neat. Not neat. You, know, you don't want to say that about anybody dying, but it's like it was just it was very awe inspiring to see the country just kind of mourn the loss together. And it was like everyone was joyful though. You know, it was like remembering this character but with glenn fry for me like that was a big deal man i'm i'm a diehard eagles fan and a, a diehard glenn fry fan like i loved don henley like i remember you know when i was born you know the eagles didn't do anything in the 80s so for me like you know i got to see don henley solo i think i think i've seen don other than garth brooks i think i've seen don henley solo from like 1983 to 1994 like more than i'd ever seen any artist Wow. There's another dynamic to this, though, too, which is, and it once again proves the point about music and songs and people and why it's all intertwined and why we're all connected. Even when someone that is a musician, songwriter, who is beloved, um, even when they do pass away, they're not really gone because right. all you got to do is put their records on. Yeah. And they're right there with you. You know, it's a little different when you talk about maybe actors or you talk about certain creative types or sports or what have you. And, um, and, and the reason I bring that up is, is not taking anything away from someone's life and legacy. But musicians have a tendency because they mean so much to people because they wrote songs that are like the soundtrack to people's lives that when they do pass, it can it can be this this feeling of of sadness, but it's also joy too because you can still go hang, just put the records on. They're not really gone. Right. Yeah. Well said. We have a ton of downtime, obviously, with with COVID. What are you guys? We ain't got on? no downtime. Yeah, right. You're like <laughs> yeah. downtime. What are you, we're bro? Bro, we're we're pushing a record here. What are you talking about? Yeah, we. Um, we We've been working I since February. Not just one record, two records. Working right. on another one. Like, do you, no doubt. We, um, that. Do you we, have uh, time to 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 binge watch things? Like, yeah, 
I watch I don't. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, he does. He just does it on his phone, so it doesn't feel like he's actually watching anything. This right. dude watches more stuff and tells me about more stuff that he's watched than anybody. My favorite intro musically to anything, Zach will tell you this. It'll be really, really quiet, and all of a sudden, you'll hear it. Yeah, you'll hear the Netflix thing. But it's like three in the morning. It's like three in the morning on the bus while everyone's asleep and he doesn't have headphones on. Yeah. It's just literally, and then like some car chase scene, people shooting each other and shit. Like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, like that's just what he does. But like, so I I watched, um, I watched the Comedy Store documentary um, in the last two days. It's four episodes. Holy shit. Amazing. I know it's a podcast, so I can say shit, right? That's fine. Yeah. Um, it was, it was truly amazing. And then um, I watched. Um, I got one more episode, but I watched the Kevin Hart um, little mini doc on Netflix too. That was is, is really good, man. Like, you know, to see that guy, how hard of a worker that dude is, man. Like, I know, like up at three in the amazing. morning to work out and shit. Like, wow, it's crazy, man. Like to watch that, like him and the Rock. It's crazy that him and the Rock are so close and they have that same work ethic. But like they, to watch that Kevin Hart a- documentary, like. A great it's like this guy's like relationship. this dude's like i'm not stopping until i'm a billionaire he's like and even then i'm not stopping you know he's like and it's just crazy to see that work ethic man like it, yeah it's I, cool I really, to see drive like that right because not everybody has drive and determination and initiative and shit like you and if you don't have it you can't teach that sh- stuff either no i mean brent brent's like that brent is one of the hardest workers i've ever seen you know it's it's i don't know if he's waking up at three o'clock in the morning to work out but he um usually going to sleep at three o'clock in the morning going going to sleep at three o'clock in the morning but no man you know it's it's inspiring to see that so that's what i I, i've been watching that and i've been watching uh my i got my wife into breaking bad so we're my fifth time watching breaking bad uh her first (laughs) oh that's funny um you guys get into the superhero movies and and all that i do you like marvel brent yeah, I mean, and I, I'm I'm not just saying this either. I went back, man, and and watched Black Panther. Holy crap! Like, I mean, just blown away by because I didn't, I didn't, maybe it didn't register. But you know, once again, not to to have this, you know, this conversation go back to the loss of someone. But I mean, you know, you don't realize how profound Chadwick was, man. You're just like, holy moly, man, and just the you talk about just an absolute badass. You know what I mean? Also, like, also in that Kevin Hart documentary, he's in that. Yeah, I mean, they it's just do a movie together. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, you know those movies have a connection too. Like a lot of those Marvel uh, movies, there's an underlining human thread going on in those films. All of them. Yeah, and they're important. Like, I thought it was kind of ridiculous that Scorsese was like, those aren't movies. I'm like, yeah, they are. They are. Like, there's, they're, they're, yes, they're big budget. Yes, they're special effects. But there is a statement, many statements actually being made and a lot of life lessons in those, in those movies. Yeah, I think that once um, John Favreau put out Iron Man, it, it, yeah. it, was, at, it was at that point, like, you know, if you're going to make a movie, it, it, it needs to make it, it. If you're going to compete, it needs to be, this is the bar. Yeah. You know, theme 100%. wise, uh, e- editing wise, production wise, just filming in general. Yeah. Great actors. I mean, it's, 
You said a really good point right there too. You said a really, really specific word, a very important word that people don't realize. Like being a director, being an actor, getting the scene, cinematography, getting the shot, that's all great. You need all that, but the heroes are the editors. Editing, people that yeah. are editing those types of things and what have you, because they're telling the story. Right, without good editing. It's, it can look and good, it can be shot well, the actor and the actress can be pretty, Right. you can't tell a story, then it falls flat. You give all this stuff to a, another editor and maybe the movie looks completely different and you're like, well, it's not really as good as I thought it was anymore. Yeah. And that, once again, man, music, when music hits in a film at the right time, man, if it was silent, like Zach always talks about, he has a, he has a, you know, he has a huge love for uh, the Halloween series and talks about yeah. that first Halloween movie and how it had no music. And, you know, Carpenter was letting some of his friends see it and this and that. And this one female friend that he let watch it, she was basically like, this isn't scary. This is, this is ridiculous. And then when he added the music in, she was like, now it's scary. Yeah. And, and really quite simple music too. It's just like I think, that. I think just, it, it's something that invokes emotion. We go back to talking about music and what it does to your brain, man. But like, you know, one simple piano, you know, and then it's Very just chilling. the creepiest thing ever. And also yeah. how you add music to a movie that does it. Like, like, listen, the song Mr. Sandman by itself in the car on a sunny day is not a scary song. When I hear Mr. Sandman now, it scares the shit out of me because of that movie. Like, what a creepy song. Like, it just sounds, it, it frightens me now. <laughs> same like thing I with, like, Jeepers Creepers. Does the same yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. I can't listen to Robert Johnson in the dark, you know. It's, it's, it freaks me out. It's a scary vibe, you know. Todd, guys, we I got wanna, about two minutes, man, and then we got, got a two minutes. I was just going to say that. I was going to say, guys, I want to respect your time. I understand you got a head. My here God, man, it's been so, so cool of you to let us come on your show today, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, man, we appreciate it. Guys, thank you, you know, for, for jumping on and, and getting the West Coast of Canada updated. Um, so uh, the Smith & Myers Volume 2 is out now. It's been out for a, a while. One and two. One and two, One and right. two. They're both out. And uh, the new Shinedown is optimistically we're, next year? 2021. Yeah next year for sure is that weird releasing it during a pandemic do you feel weird releasing music and not being able to tour fully tour no, because we're moving on man we're, we, don't know, we're, we don't yeah. know we don't know you know we don't have a we don't have a date yet so i mean we, we, hopefully we'll be hopefully we'll be on the other side of this thing nice love it okay well i guess we'll see you boys online thanks again for doing this Thanks, Todd. Respect, appreciate Todd. it man Thank you so much man the Toddcast podcast on toddhancock.ca